You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I am your host of Locked On Bills. Today's episode is brought to you by Visa. Help support your local businesses, whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops. Local businesses have always been on your team, supporting you and your community. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at a local business and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. Happy Thursday to you. It's crossover Thursday here on this podcast and across the Locked On Podcast Network. Just a few moments, I'll be joined by your boy Q, the host of the Locked On Raiders podcast, to have a discussion about this game on Sunday. But before we get there, a couple of newsy items to touch on real quick that happened in the last day or so. The Bills protected four practice squad players, and those are two offensive linemen, Jordan Devy and Jonathan Harrison, uh, cornerback Dane Jackson and defensive tackle Justin Zimmer. Do want to take a quick look at the Bills' injury report as it stands based on the Wednesday practice. Uh, do not participate. We had John Brown with the calf. Deion Dawkins, left tackle, he did not participate with a shoulder injury. Micah Hyde did not participate with an ankle injury. Quentin Jefferson did not participate with a foot injury. And then Delshawn Phillips remains a non-participant as he works through his quad injury. As far as limited participants goes, Tremaine Edmonds with his shoulder, Zach Moss with a toe, and Ad Oliver with a knee injury. Good news on the injury front is that Dawson Knox, the tight end, was a full participant in practice. Now, I don't panic over anything that we see on Wednesday. We'll need to see how this goes Thursday and Friday before we get nervous about who's going to miss the game. Uh, but obviously, we need to keep a close watch on John Brown and Deion Dawkins as neither one of those guys finished the game on Sunday and didn't par- practice on Wednesday. Micah Hyde is interesting to me because he did finish the game on Sunday, went back in after he uh, injured his ankle. So this could be more of a uh, just giving him a little bit more time type thing than anything. But Quentin Jefferson, who struggled a bit on Sunday, uh, interesting to see now that he has a foot injury. So uh, that's something to pay attention to. Good to see Zach Moss back on the field in, in at least a limited uh, capacity. And then Ed Oliver with his knee. Um, I think they're probably just taking things slow with him. So we got some stuff to monitor here. We'll get more clarity as the week moves along. Now, how about the Raiders? Now, we talked about this a bit yesterday on the um, the comprehensive primer regarding the Raiders, and uh, they got a lot of guys that are hurt, and their first injury report of the week is out. Um, they had some serious guys do not participate. Damon Arnett, starting cornerback, he did not participate. Trent Brown, starting right tackle. Wide receiver Brian Edwards uh, did not participate as well. Uh, you know, those are all starters for them. Uh, Henry Ruggs also, their other starting receiver, did not participate 
in practice. Uh, limited was both of their starting linebackers, Nick Kwiatkowski and Corey Littleton, uh, and their starting safety, Jonathan Abrams. So there is just a ton of guys uh, for the Raiders that they may not have on Sunday, meaningful starters for them. So just as much as we're monitoring things with the Bills and we have some optimism about a lot of these guys, doesn't sound as promising for a lot of these Raiders players. So injuries are going to be a big part of this game in terms of who and who is not available on Sunday. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle all in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the only place you can replay every game all season long. You'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Tredavious White, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides you with access to the entire NFL Films archive. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. Joe Marino of Locked On Bills, joined now by your boy Q, the host of the Locked On Raiders podcast, here to help us get ready for this game on Sunday. Between the Bills and Raiders and Q, I want to start this discussion about the Raiders centered around Derek Carr. A lot of questions, <laughs> a lot of opinions about him, a lot of narratives about Derek Carr, his value, and what the organization thinks of him as a starting quarterback. I want to know, Q, what's the truth about Derek Carr, and is he the type of quarterback you believe can take the Raiders on deep playoff runs? Well, you know, it's so funny, man. When it comes to the narrative behind Derek Carr, it's either he's really, really good, he's the franchise guy, everyone loves him, or you either really, really hate him. And it's so funny because I really kind of feel like the truth lies in the middle. Uh, I, I think he's a middle-of-the-road quarterback who's good enough to get it done. He's just not great and elite. And when you're in the AFC West and you look up and you see Patrick Mahomes, who's elite, then, of course, you want what the next man has. And so that's, that's uh, a Patrick Mahomes-type guy, and that's not who Derek Carr is. He's a guy who understands John Gruden's offense. He's a guy who's going to go and get what he can. He's not going to push it. He's going to try not to make mistakes, and he's going to try to just – have a long, methodical drive, drive, which is what you know John Gruden wants anyway. Uh, really, he wants to lead everything by way of the run, but uh, he wants Derek Carr to understand his offense. And so a lot of Raider fans are really frustrated with him, especially after the Patriots lost. Uh, they're going back and finding every little thing that he may have done wrong in that game and just kind of double down on the fact that he's not the guy. He's been around seven years, and, well, you know who he is. And, well, all that is true. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, in 2020 – I believe he's the best option for the Raiders to be successful. I believe that before the season started because John Gruden's offense is not that easy to understand and, and, and pick up. So I don't think a rookie is a guy that is just going to come in and take that space and say, okay, no problem. I think that at some point the Raiders are going to have to go find a guy that, you know, can do a little bit more, a little bit more dynamic, a little bit more of what a 2020 NFL quarterback looks like a guy with, you know, a little bit more uh, athleticism that he plays a lot with his legs as well as his arm. And I, I just don't think that that all the time is Derek Carr. He's just, you know, like I said, but he's good enough. So I guess that's a roundabout way of answering your question, saying, yeah, he's the guy for right now. I don't know how long-term he is. I mean, his contract's going to be coming up in a couple seasons. I don't know what the Raiders are going to do when they make that decision uh, to move on from him or, or to continue forward with him. But 
Uh, he's good enough to get it done. He's good enough to get him into the playoffs in 2020, in my opinion. Just got to win some games. Well, two and one's not a bad start. Obviously, disappointing loss to the Patriots, but really impressive win over the New Orleans Saints. You've watched this game play, this team play three games so far this year. Obviously, John Gruden, offensive minded coach. There's some nice weapons on this team, good offensive line, really nice running back in Josh Jacobs, of course, Darren Waller. Want to know what has stood out to you most about the Raiders offensively, and what have you learned about them on offense so far in 2020? Well, I, I learned that when they have their guys out there, and especially some of the young guys that they brought in, like a Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards, uh, these guys could be really dynamic. Uh, obviously, we saw a lot from Darren Waller on a, a Monday night against the Saints, so you saw what he can do in a major way. You know, 12 catches, over 100 yards, he could be that difference maker. But uh, it helps when they have, you know, the offensive line is cooking, when you see Josh Jacobs is cooking, when the run game is going. And uh, like I mentioned, when those young guys are out there, particularly Henry Ruggs with that speed that a team has to really, really respect, when he's not out there, the dynamic has changed. You know, the, the defenses aren't really concerned about Derek Carr taking a bunch of deep shots and beating them over the top, so they're able to load up the box. They're able to double-team Darren Waller. They're able to do things like the Patriots did on Monday or on Sunday night or Sunday afternoon, excuse me, and it's just – you know, it's just a different offense. So uh, when the Raiders are really, really good offensively, you'll see them pick up, you know, eight, seven or eight yards on the first two downs, and then they'll be in third and three, third and four. But when they're in third and six, third and seven, third and eight, third and nine, that's when they're going to really struggle. They've got to stay ahead of the chains if they want this John Gruden offense to be successful, have some long, sustained drives, uh, own the time of possession, and when you get to the red zone, you got to cash in. Not three points, but you got to get seven because you're only going to help extend your lead with field goals. You're not going to win many games with field goals, so they've got to get into the end zone. They did that really well in the first two games, and in su Sunday's game against the Patriots, they were one for four in the red zone, which is not going to win any games, let alone against the Patriots. So uh, it's one of those things. you got to stay ahead of the chains. If not, you're in for a long day. Q, I want to talk about the defense, but before we get there, I feel like there's so many injuries uh, for this team, offense and defense. But, you know, I'm thinking about offense. You got Trent Brown, Richie Incognito. You know, we don't know if either Henry Ruggs or Brian Edwards is going to be av available for this football game. Do you have any updates on these players? And what are your expectations for what's going to be around Derek Carr on Sunday? Well, you know, it's funny. I, that's what I think the biggest Achilles heel is for the Raiders right now is injury. The injury bug is, of course, spreading across the league, but it's hit the Raiders in a major way. Uh, Trent Brown, who's supposed to be the big-time right tackle, he's played three snaps so far in 2020. I don't know if he's going to play on Sunday. John Gruden was asked about him uh, the other day, and he said, well, I'm holding out hope. Uh, he's getting better. Nick Kwiatkowski is getting better, the, the middle linebacker that came in from the Bears. He's getting better, but he's dealing with a pec injury. And so it didn't sound to me – very optimistic that they're going to play, but that's just me rolling with my gut feeling. Um, Henry Ruggs and, and Brian Edwards, I don't think those two guys are going to play. Ruggs is dealing with a hamstring injury, and you know how it is with those fast, yeah. twitchy guys. If you have a hamstring injury, that, that thing could linger for a while because you don't want to aggravate it. You don't want to mess it up more. So you really have to treat that with, like, kid gloves. And Brian Edwards, he's always had, uh, going back to college, he's had some lower leg injuries, including uh, his, I believe, his left foot when he was in college, and now it's his right foot, or maybe it's vice versa. Either way, uh, he, I believe he was in a walking boot after Sunday's game against the Patriots. So uh, he showed flashes of what he could be, but I just think that he's going to get hit with the injury bug as well. And so I, th I think, again, just gut feeling, both of those guys are going to be out on Sunday, but it's still earlier in the week. And so, you know, there's still time for them to get, get right. But it just didn't sound good from uh, the way that John Gruden was talking. 
Definitely something to monitor as the week yes. goes along, these, these uh, players. I'll tell you, it's, it feels like a different team. If you tell me the Raiders have Ruggs and Edwards and Brown and Incognito and Arnett and Kwiatkowski, uh, you know, I, I, I see them very differently. And this could, this could take on a different uh, type of game based on just not having guys available on the, on the Raiders side of things. Let's talk about this defense, Q. Um, I know the, the big disappointment right now so far. Uh, so many rushing yards conceded to the Patriots last year. Obviously, Paul Gunther coming over from Cincinnati to, to lead this unit. And pass rush has been an issue. Allowing too many points has been an issue. I, I kind of want to know, like, just what's the state of this Raiders defense right now? It's a work in progress. You know, it really is. And unfortunately for the Raiders, they have a lot of injuries. <laughs> Again, that, that I word comes up, injury. Uh, you know, the, and they, they were already bringing in young guys and new guys, and they were expecting them to gel and be able to, you know, d- develop into one solid unit. But right now, if you can't get all the guys out there together, you're not going to have a solid unit. You know, you got Corey Littleton you brought over from the Rams. That's cool. He hasn't really lived up to what his expectations were just yet, but it's early in the season, so I'm okay with that. But Nick Wachowski, again, he was supposed to be the general of the defense. He's played in, in, in less than one complete game, and he's been out with a pec injury. That's a major loss. Now, Nicholas Morrow has done a good job filling in for him, but he's a backup. You know, there's a reason why he's a backup. Uh, Damon Arnett, first-round pick, number 19 out of Ohio State. He's uh, banged up. He looks like he's going to hit IR. He might miss up to, like, six weeks. That's major. You know, he's the starting corner across from Trayvon Mullen, who's been playing pretty well. But now where do you go? You know, after, after Damon Arnett, you go to either Nevin Lawson or maybe Keyshawn Nixon, an undrafted free agent out of South Carolina a year ago. I mean, guys like that, you know, it's, it's, it's really an issue. If you get past the first line of defense, and I mean that just with the first, first string of guys, uh, then all of a sudden you're looking at the backups and thinking, eh, yeah, that's not so good. Even Jonathan Abram, who, you know, was only played 30 minutes his rookie year in 2019 in the first game of the season, and then he missed the rest of the year. Uh, he, he's a little bit banged up. He's out there playing, but he's a little banged up. He, he ran into that TV card on Monday night against the Saints and actually kind of chipped a bone in his shoulder and had some internal bleeding. I mean, he's got some issues going on as well. Just this unit is not solid, and they haven't been playing with each other long enough to be solid. So uh, I, I've been saying I feel like the, the Raiders are going to have to try to win some shootouts early on. This early on win some shootout style might have to go a little bit longer than I even expected just because you don't have the guys out there to try to compete. And so looking at this game with the Bills coming up on Sunday and the Bills are putting up a bunch of points, Derek Carr and the offense may have to get out there and, and get on their horse and really try to put some points up quick, fast, in a hurry because it could be a long day. It could be a lot of, a lot of points scored in Allegiant Stadium. Well, let's, uh, let's maybe talk about some positives here for the Raiders. When you look at this matchup and – uh, Buffalo traveling to Vegas for this game. What are some of the, the areas that you think maybe Vegas has an advantage that if they can take advantage of those advantages, they can have some success on Sunday? I mean, I think it all starts up front. You know, I really do. I think that offensive line has to be dominant no matter who's out there. Uh, right now, the Raiders have a, a, a right guard. or Yeah, no, yeah, right guard playing right tackle. <laughs> and Denzel Good, he's filling in for Trent Brown. I just think that he's got to go out there and play the play a, a very solid game like he did against the Saints on Monday night. And you've got to get uh, Jonathan a- and Jonathan Abram. You got to get Josh Jacobs rolling. Uh, he he's got to have a big game. Uh, I think that run game is really how the Raiders want to want to butter their bread. Is just get that thing going, and then and then everything kind of plays off of that. And the thing about it is Josh Jacobs is banged up too. He's dealing with a hip injury. He's out there toughening it out. He's a tough kid. But, I mean, a running back dealing with a hip injury is never ideal. But he's out there, like I said, still working. Uh, the backup is Devontae Booker, who's actually, to my surprise, done a pretty good job uh, filling in for Josh Jacobs when he's out there. But, you know, he's not, a, he's not an every down back. So I think that 
for the Raiders to be successful on Sunday against the Bills, they're going to have to get that run game going. I know that the Bills are, are pretty much giving up 100 yards per game on the ground, and I'd be okay with that. If the Raiders can, can give the ball to Jacobs about 25 times or, or at least get 100-something yards of rushing and, and have him touch the ball 25 times and maybe Booker touch another five or six times, I'd be fine with that. And I feel like that's at least a, somewhat of a recipe for them to come up with a victory because they have to try to, try to own that clock a little bit, try to possess the ball uh, longer than Buffalo. If not, man, they could be in for another day like they saw on Sunday against the Patriots. Yeah, obviously the, the Bills have not been great stopping the run so far this year. So big test for the Bills' run defense against, uh, you know, when Josh Jacobs is healthy. I mean, I know he's only a, a second-year player, but what we saw last year with him getting uh, three and a half yards per rush after contact just looked like one of the best pure runners in the, in the league at such a young age. So uh, big, big story of this game is definitely going to be that Raiders rushing attack against a, a suspect Bills run defense. Last thing I'll ask you, Q, is, is what concerns you most about this matchup uh, with the Raiders coming up against the Bills? Well, just the fact that uh, I feel like Josh Allen is playing really well for the, for the Bills right now, and, and their passing attack is really good. And, and I, I just think that the, the Raiders' secondary is a little suspect. Trayvon Mullen, he's solid, but, uh, you know, there's questions. You know, is Damon Arnett going to be there? Most likely not. Uh, who's going to fill in for him? Is Nevin Lawson going to be able to hold it down? Uh, how about Keyshawn Nixon? You know, is Isaiah Johnson going to be available? I just think that the, the Bills may have an opportunity to throw the ball around the yard and make some plays. And if the pass rush doesn't get there, which you mentioned earlier, is a little bit suspect. Max Crosby had two sacks on Sunday against the Patriots, but those are the first two sacks of the season, and, and their pass rush really has not been there yet. I think that that's the biggest concern is allowing Josh Allen to have too much time. And then on top of that, if they do get some pressure on him, is he going to get out of there and be able to run and uh, break the pocket, break contain, and pick up some plays with his legs? Because I know, or pick up some yards with his legs, because I know he's very capable of doing that as well. So uh, I think just uh, Josh Allen and, and the passing game and what can come off of the passing game is my biggest concern going into this game against the Bills. RockAuto.com is a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. They have amazing selection reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need over at rockauto.com. As we continue on Crossover Thursday, talking Raiders, talking Bills, talking right now with Joe Marino, host of Locked on Bills. And it's my time to get to Howard Cosell, you about the Buffalo Bills, as you know them very well, cover them like a glove. And, and uh, Joe, the Bills are off to a 3-0 and start on the season. Josh Allen, he's been the guy leading the charge so far. I've heard a couple national guys here and there talk about possible MVP voting. And I know it's way too early in the season for that. But in your opinion, what's been the biggest key to the Bills 3-0 and start so far? in 2020 well it's it's definitely been Josh Allen and, and it's kind of disappointing because <laughs> nothing is disappointing about Josh Allen playing well let me stop right there the disappointing part of the Bills 3-0 start is that defensively they've not played to the standard that we've come to expect under Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier but the reason they're 3-0 is 100% off the improvements of Josh Allen and this this offense under the direction of 
Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator, and so much coming back from last year and adding to it Stephon Diggs, a true number one receiver, and how much he's meant to this football team. But you know, as much as we want to credit Brandon Bean for building up a great offense around Josh Allen and, and, and Brian Dable for coming up with a great scheme and so many good pieces around Josh, Josh has worked really hard. You know, it, this has been this hasn't been an overnight thing. I think that's one thing I want to get out there with right. Josh Allen and his improvements. This didn't happen overnight. It's been a gradual progression since he entered the league in 2018, and, and he's done nothing but grow, and I think we're kind of seeing him explode. I mean, I don't know if the rate that he's playing at is sustainable. Probably not. It would be the greatest season a quarterback's ever had, right? It's still a three-game sample size, but he's playing very well. Um, he's hitting deep throws. He's being efficient with the football. He's not putting it in harm's way for the most part. He's being creative with his feet and, and extending plays and just all the the ceiling, all the upside that existed with Josh Allen when you thought about him coming into the league is manifesting itself right now in this player that we're seeing. So, you know, look, the Bills certainly hope he can continue to play at a high level. He is right now and, and uh, kind of just riding that momentum. Josh Allen's the reason this team's 3-0. He's had back-to-back uh, fourth-quarter comebacks and game-winning drives here uh, the last two weeks against Miami and the Rams last week to get this team to 3-0, and, and he's the reason why uh, they don't have any blemishes on their record yet. You mentioned Stephon Diggs being a true number one wide receiver. He uh, was a big acquisition from Minnesota in the offseason. How big, for those that just don't know, how big of an offseason acquisition was Stephon Diggs? Well, you're talking about a Bills offense last year. The team won 10, 10, uh, 10 games, 10 and 6, went to the playoffs, lost in overtime to the Texans. They averaged 19 points a game. That's, that was 23rd in the league. That was the lowest of any playoff team. The next lowest was the Packers at 24. The team didn't score enough points. Right. And a big reason why is because they lacked that true number one wide receiver. John Brown played really well. He had 1,000 yards last year. Cole Beasley is an outstanding slot receiver, but they needed that number one guy that really impacts the spacing and, and commands extra attention from the defense and what that means for spacing for the rest of the offense and, and that confidence that when Josh needs to come up with a completion that Stephon Diggs is going to get open and he's going to catch the football. and you know, I've enjoyed watching him in, as a member of the Vikings, but seeing him firsthand and, and seeing just how great of a route runner is, how he gets open, how good he is when the ball's in the air, how creative he, he is after the catch, how he can win at all three levels of the field, it's really gained an appreciation from me greater than I had just kind of watching him from a distance because, you know, I, I, he was part of a mix there with Thielen and, and Cook, but my goodness, man, he's as talented as anyone out there, and he's meant a lot for Josh Allen and his Bills offense that is now averaging over 30 points per game. So, again, three-game sample size, but a big jump in scoring more points, which is exactly what this team had to do this year. Joe, one of the things that I've talked about a lot with Raider Nation and one of the areas of concern for me when it comes to the Raiders is lack of alpha dogs. And I, I just mean guys that, you know, command greatness and, and want you to be even better than you are and, and won't settle for less. How much has Stephon Diggs come in and been that alpha dog, not just on the field as far as being the go-to guy for Josh Allen, but how about the guy in the locker room that just, hey, guys, let's go, let, follow my lead. Uh, I'm going to get you where you need to go. You know, I think Stephon Diggs has come in and, and added to that type of mentality that, that really existed already in the locker room. 
and it was a great addition because you know one thing that's been true about Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott and, and their takeover of this franchise back in 2017 is they've stressed DNA and guys that were wired the right way and and a certain type of person that they wanted to bring into the building and you know Stefan Diggs is just the latest example of that but Josh Allen is that Deion Dawkins the left tackle is that you yeah. know, Jerry Hughes pass rusher is that I mean you've got Trey White you got Mike. I, it's there's so many guys that have that type of mentality, and there's this culture that exists where guys really like each other. They love each other. Their their wives are all friends. They're all buddies. They hang out. They care about each other deeply, and because of that, they want to be the best version of themselves on the field. And and you have this this really interesting dynamic of of guys that that buy in, love playing together, care about each other, and, and more than anything, they want to win football games. And with that common goal and, and that unity, and guys like Stefan Diggs added to this mix of alphas and guys that just want to win more than anything, you, you're starting to see a situation in Buffalo that for 20 years they couldn't win football games. All of a sudden, you know, things are changing. Right, no doubt about that. Talking right now with Joe Marino, host of Locked On Bills. This is the crossover edition. Talking Raiders, talking Bills as they prepare to play on Sunday at Allegiant Stadium. And let's flip over to the defensive side of the ball. Ed Oliver, he was a guy that a lot of Raider fans wanted the team to draft in 2019. Instead, they went Cleve Farrell. Uh, what are you seeing from Oliver? How has he been so far in his short career in Buffalo? I think he, he grew a lot as a rookie. You know, Ed Oliver, he played nose tackle for Houston. Yeah. <laughs> he was playing right over the center. It's a completely different position as a three technique uh, for Sean McDermott and his defense. And, you know, what's required to beat blocks in the NFL is very different than in the American Athletic Conference when you're facing guards from East Carolina and, and uh, you know, the Memphis and, and teams like that. So, you know, you, you, saw the, you saw the quickness, you saw the power, you saw the hand usage, but really finishing in the backfield, right? That's why they took him in the top 10. That's why Raiders fans wanted him at three. Um, that started to happen later in the year. So far this year, um, you're seeing him play well for the most part, but you're still kind of wanting a little bit more when it comes to finishing in the backfield. He, he creates pressure. He's, uh, he resets the line of scrimmage. He'll, he'll penetrate his gap, but still want to see some more plays in the backfield uh, out of that Oliver, although I, I would say that he's playing well. Okay, fair enough. He's still he's still young in the game, so yep. I'm sure he's still uh, continuing to grow. And sticking along the defensive line, I mentioned in segment number one about uh, you know the the Raiders and their plan to attack and and really get the ball on the ground and run. Uh, as far as the trenches go and the defensive line goes for the for the uh, Buffalo Bills, how concerned are you with you know you knowing that the Raiders are going to try to run against them and they haven't been that solid against the against the run so far. Q, I'm concerned more than I should be. This is a $51 million defensive line. It's the most expensive defensive line in the NFL. So, obviously, with that comes high expectations, and I think they've played okay, but that's not what you're looking for out of, uh, out of this collection of talent where you've got you know several first-round picks in, in the mix here, and you've got depth, and you've got established players I mean, Ed Oliver, Quentin Jefferson, Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, Vernon Butler, Trent Murphy. I mean, you got a lot of guys here. And A.J. Epinesa, their second-round pick, they, they've got to they've gotta defend the run better. They have to maintain their gap integrity. I, I listened to Coach Gruden this week. He's talking about being out of your gap, right? <laughs> it's, that's what happens. That's how you lose in the run game. And so the Bills are having some issues with that right now. It's, it's something that under McDermott, collectively they've played great defense every year under McDermott. But there's always this little bit of a blip in the schedule where 
feels like the run defense kind of suffers and, and it looks like it's hitting the Bills early in 2020. So obviously, just like from the Raiders' perspective where that's a point of emphasis and, and everyone's going to be paying attention to how that run defense looks, you got the same situation here in Buffalo where a lot is expected from this unit and uh, how they perform on Sunday will go a long way in kind of flipping this narrative and stopping the discussion about, well, can they stop the run? Well, they got to go out and do it, and they'll have a great test here against really physical Raiders offensive line, a coach in Gruden that wants to run the football, and my goodness, I think one of the best pure running backs in the league in Josh Jacobs. Tredavious White, he's corner number one for Buffalo. He might be just corner number one in the league, just to, to, just to be 100% honest about it. Uh, just got paid before the season started. Uh, how does head coach Sean McDermott use him? Does he kind of stick to the one side of the field, uh, you know, act like he kind of like he did in, in Charlotte with, uh, with the Panthers? Or does, uh, does, does White start to shadow the opposing team's number one guy? Yeah, so there, there's games where he will. He will shadow that number one receiver. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting with who's available with the Raiders, you know, where, where that attention goes uh, for Trey White, because if they don't feel like there's that guy that he has to cover, uh, you know, they'll keep him at left cornerback and he'll, he'll stay right there and they'll be happy with that. So we'll, we'll see who's available and, and what type of matchups uh, present themselves. But, you know, he's a guy that can do both and, and obviously one of the premier players at his position. And he's not been tested much this year. That's kind of been the thing. Only 10 times as he's been targeted so far in three games so you know right now the 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 uh the quarterbacks going against the bills have more of an appetite to try other guys right like levi wallace and the slot corner taron johnson it'll be interesting josh norman is potentially back this week he's eligible to play so uh you could see him factor into um the equation on sunday as well so we'll, we'll see it could be a little bit of a different look secondary for the bills on sunday well, Joe, my final question uh, has to do with uh, one of the big-time weapons that the Raiders have, and that's Darren Waller, the tight end. Uh, the Patriots found a way to take him out of the game on Sunday. Uh, what do you think the plan uh, for, for covering Darren Waller is, and, and how do the Bills do just in general covering tight ends? Well, I, I think when you look at a talent like Darren Waller, you, you understand that he's going to make plays, right? It's just He's that type of player. So I, I've, you know, I did a big preview show yesterday on Locked on Bills, and Talked all about Josh Jacobs and Darren Waller and how that's the offense, right? Those are the two guys you got to key on. Obviously, Hunter Renfro, a really good slot receiver, but he's a complimentary piece to those, those two studs. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest with you, Q, and I know you didn't ask me about Henry Ruggs. My goodness, that guy puts the fear of God in me because that's, <laughs> speed, that, that's speed that nobody has in the league, right? right. No, there's nobody on this Bills defense that can run with Henry Ruggs. It can't happen. They don't, they don't have enough foot speed. So if he's unavailable, I, I, I certainly don't ever root for injuries. That would be a big boost for the Bills' defense to not have to deal with that type of speed. You didn't ask me about Ruggs, but I wanted to make sure I got a chance to say that. Uh, you asked me about Waller. Typically, the Bills do very well against um, tight ends. In 2019, they gave up the second-fewest yards to tight ends in the NFL. Now, so far this year, they've done pretty good against tight ends in week one and three. They played the Jets and then last week against the Rams. They contained those tight ends pretty well. But the Miami Dolphins, Mike Gusecki, that dude tore up the Bills. Had, uh, you know, over, I think, 130 yards and a touchdown. And that was a, a game where the Bills didn't have Matt Milano. And Matt Milano came back, and you saw the tight ends. Everyone was concerned about Higby, and if he can make an impact against the Bills' defense. Well, he didn't. Uh, and I think that's because of the return of Matt Milano into the offense. So he'll have a big assignment in Darren Waller, obviously 6'6", 250, explosive athlete. Um, they'll have to commit more to him. The Bills have good safeties in Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. I'm sure they will have to help there. 
Um, but you, you know, it's one of those things where the Bills haven't gotten torched by tight ends, but man, I'm not sure they've seen a whole lot of guys like Darren Waller. So he's definitely somebody that gives me concern for Sunday. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us today here on this podcast. I certainly hope that you enjoyed. Tomorrow is going to be our leftover thoughts, game predictions, and, of course, our conversation with Kyle Trimble, doctor of physical therapy, to give us the rundown on the Bills' injury situation heading into Sunday's game. So make sure that you don't miss it. Rate, review, share, subscribe to the podcast, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.